Can see them gray clouds, I might fuck around, drop the top in the rain. For the squad, we don't play around, we'll lay them down, hit the top close range. He just pretend he not with the gang. Look back then, I said, I will bang. One of them jakes my high like a wing. In the quarter meal, I'm watching the chain. I'm just trying to put a lock on the game. Welcome to the Blitz with Rob and Chris. We, I, we don't get that go New York, go New York, go. Man, relax. <laughs> That's uh. Gang Gang by Polo G and Lil Wayne. I like that song. I had to let it ride for a little bit longer. And I'm not talking about the Knicks tonight. It's a sore subject. <laughs> yeah, down 3-1 going home. What uh, what you did for Memorial Weekend? Man, it was a good weekend. One of our mutual friends, Mark, came out. Uh, we, we hit the, the Heat um, Bucks game Thursday night. So that was a good start to the weekend. And I, and I intentionally bought the tickets for Thursday and not Saturday because I had a good feeling we was going to get swept. But, man, I... I Watching those that Bucks team, they're really impressive. I was really upset to see uh, DiVincenzo go down with an injury because they're going to need every bit of that entire roster to beat the Nets. But they were really impressive top to bottom, um, and I'm looking forward to that that series started Saturday. Yeah, we definitely going to um, talk about those NBA injuries in the playoffs. Um, I hit up a few happy hours, ran into uh, the new Captain America. Uh, how did how did he act? I had another friend uh, running to Anthony Mackie. He said he wasn't wasn't super friendly with them. I, I didn't I didn't holler at him, but he was super mm. obnoxious, just laughing, <laughs> loud at jokes that that funny in the outdoor yeah. area. So he, he he definitely wanted to be seen and wanted to be heard. <laughs> well, <laughs> New Orleans is a small loud. city, small city. So he's a a friend of a friend of of a, a family member. So my brother actually. So uh, shout out to Anthony Mackie and the Mackie family. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> let's get to it. You, man. you ought to be hoping we can get Captain America on the on the <laughs> podcast. He's probably the most Saint, famous Saints fan we got at this point. <laughs> Listen, he didn't want to even be bothered, man. <laughs> uh, let's jump into it, bro. They got a lot of basketball. Um, we got a lot to talk about, like not only the games on the court, but but just like the fans, the injuries. It's a lot. Let's let's start off with the, just the the disrespect. By the fans to the players, you had a uh, popcorn dumped on Russ's head. We had uh, a fan, one, one of your um, hometown mates in New York, spitting on Trey Young. We had uh, what else? A, a water bottle thrown at, at Kyrie. I want to talk a little bit more about that. And then they also had uh, <laughs> some racial slurs directed to John uh, Morant's uh, family, in, in which. Uh, caused a big stir, and, and the owner for the Jazz came out and comped some tickets and hotels and a limousine for his family for Game Five. But, but just overall, what, what's your thoughts on just the the blatant disrespect for the players coming listen, back from the pandemic? Listen, maybe it's the Memorial Day hangover, but I'm about to hit you with an unpopular opinion. <laughs> Fans have been crazy. I I like I just sometimes feel like media news cycles kind of take over on issues and then issues are all of a sudden noticed. But when have fans not been crazy? Like the 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 49ers uh Oakland Raider like fights, people getting paralyzed in the parking lot. Um, I always tell my story when they blew the black national anthem uh, at the, the New York Knights World League football game, snowballs thrown at Santa Claus in Philly. I mean the the whole story conversation that Kyrie was just having about racial slurs used in Boston against athletes wasn't just something specific to the Celtics. It you know everybody talks about it with the Red Sox. I mean, soccer is notorious for for all the yeah. things that are said. I just feel like you know, oh, as a Pelicans fan, we can flash back to the guy who wore Pelicans warm up gear and gotten the the line for the warm up layups with the Pelicans. Uh, as a Heat fan, Bad Bunny was on court in like 2019 doing the triple H spit into the air security had to be like, yo, you need to relax and go sit in your damn seat. But fans have been wilding. I just think that maybe because we just had a season with no fans, it's putting a microscope on how obnoxious some fans can be. Um, but to me, like I was kind of surprised that people were as surprised that like, popcorn was thrown at rest or a water bottle was I kind of figured that every couple of nights during the course of an NBA regular season that somebody might throw something at them while they they try to go into the tunnel the spitting uh was was pretty shocking especially I think it was in game right like he was about to yeah. take the ball out that was crazy to me um 
but in the racial slurs at John Morant's family, uh, not all that surprising yeah, given who that. tends to be in the lower bowl of NBA games, right? right. I would assume predominantly white fans. When you go to, to cities like uh, Utah, you know, just not all that surprising to me. Um, so, so to that point, I just think I was surprised that people were as surprised. But the the Trey Young thing to me was that was the one that was like, yo, you have really lost your mind. And I think he was sitting behind 50 Cent and like spit over his shoulder. I mean, it wasn't even like it was close range to where you wouldn't possibly spit on other people. Like you spit over people and like you didn't think other people were going to get up and whip your ass. Like that was surprising to me. I mean, fans have always been crazy, but like we, you know, we've been to a lot of Saints games. Like typically it's fights between fans. It's not necessarily like. Uh, I mean, fans have been known to throw some shit at the referees on the way out of the Superdome. I tell you that. Oh, I oh, definitely oh, yeah. seen I've, that. I've been, I've been next to people throwing <laughs> right. water bottles at, at <laughs> the referees. Yeah. 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 I've, I've definitely been there. I'm surprised they still serve <laughs> bottles. But like, I'll, I'll say this the malice in the palace was caused by a fan throwing like a beer at Ron or Test. So, like, I don't think. It's that uh, it's super common to like the point well, where that that fan threw an open, uncovered <laughs> beer like it was in a cup, so it just splashed <laughs> all over the place. But to that point, like that's why you can't get bottle cut tap tops at sporting events anymore. Yeah, because fans always threw the shit at the players. So I, I think you know they've been crazy. They haven't necessarily attacked players like. For us to see it four times in a week, I think is what like really caught people off guard. And in the playoffs too, in, in the playoffs, and then like on top of that, um, you know, like throwing popcorn like on a dude's head, spitting on it, like that's just like shit you wouldn't do to anybody, much less like players on on national TV in the middle of the playoffs. But I, I do want to talk a little bit more about Kyrie. Listen, I'm not a big Kyrie fan. I'll admit that. But, like, part of it to me was kind of like the other things just happened. Russ just had the popcorn thrown on him. Trey just had somebody spit on him. But Kyrie was, like, almost a self-fulfilled prophecy, right? Like, he said days before the game, like, I hope they they keep the racism at bay in Boston. And it's like you're egging on fans who already don't like you because you build on them when you said you were going to resign. So let's not act like they don't have beef with you. Like, yeah, you're a free agent. You can go wherever you want. But you said you were going to resign and you didn't. So they, ha- they have beef with you. And you've been to Boston one time as an opponent already. So this wasn't your first time. So to, like, put that out in an atmosphere saying that was almost like, to me, trying to create some drama. And then, you know, he stomped on the, the middle of the sea or whatever, the, the, the logo. Yeah, let's, I, not, I think that let's not gloss over that. Like, come on, I mean, I don't, I don't think it warranted. Like you, you, warrant last time it. you were there, you burned sage in the arena. Like, they were the problem. Like, you had to get the negative energy. Nigga, you was the negative <laughs> energy, all right? First, so second, now you come back and you, you make the comments before the game and then you step on the logo again, like you, you're, you're kind of poking the bear and then acting shocked when, right. uh, you know, something comes back your right. way. So, yeah, I think of all the people who went through some things this past week, um, I think Kyrie gets the least sympathy. What did you think about uh, Bradley Beal's comments about nobody would do this to my face and, um, you know, none of these guys could fight me in the street. And so I'm not really worried about it. We get paid a lot of money. So this is just something that we deal with as a function of, of our, our fandom or our, or our star status in the, the fandom that comes along with it. I mean, I, I do think there's like a racial component to it, right? Like, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that it involved all like black players and white fans. Players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I do think there's a racial component that people don't want to discuss. But um, like that shit doesn't happen at hockey games. Um I don't know. I mean, they throw stuff. I mean, the hockey games, though, they have a big plexiglass thing, right? Yeah. But, but fans do throw stuff over the plexiglass. Yeah. A, B, the other issue is in hockey, you're allowed to whip people's ass. So I think that probably does create a <laughs> dynamic of, like, you see these people punching somebody in the face, you believe that they might do it to you. True. And, and I think it does happen like football games. Like I say, I've sat next to somebody who threw a water bottle on the field. But I think that too. I and we guess, had an issue of those Jaguar players trying to go into the stands, uh, not last year, but I think the year before. Yeah, no, I think it's like, I guess it is a little different when you look at like hockey and football because they have pads on. So mm-hmm. it's not as disrespectful, I don't think, as a, 
when, when you're watching it, it doesn't come off as as, as disrespectful as it. something about basketball. Like the fans right. are so close and, and it's so personal. Like mm-hmm. you could throw a water bottle, water bottle, hit the wrong person, you know, because it's so you're so far from the field. So I, I do think there's like an intimacy uh, of NBA fans being so close to the court and, and, and disrespecting the dude. I, I do like that. I do like uh, somebody came out with saying they should put the fan in the in the locker room with the players for 15 minutes. <laughs> Don't even worry about arresting them. No, nah, I mean, they just need to uh, do what they're doing, which is criminally charge these people. Yeah, uh, yeah. A battery under criminal law, at least in the state of Louisiana, is like an unwanted physical touching, unwanted physical contact. And, and you can – spitting on someone can be a battery. It's a misdemeanor, but um, – yeah. They should be being charged with, yeah, with batteries for for unwanted physical contact with these athletes who, you know, haven't given consent to the contact. So, like, there's some assumed risks in participating in, you know, sports in general, particularly professional sports and like physical contact with the fans. Unwanted physical contact with the fans is not on the list of assumed risks. Right. And so. I, I'll say this to answer your question. I disagree with Bradley Bill. Like, yeah, they make a lot of money, but you don't make enough money for somebody to spit on you or like just ain't enough, ain't enough money in the world yeah, for somebody like, to spit on me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's just nope. you know what I'm saying. But uh let, let's get to the court. Um, first round. It's, it hasn't been really exciting. Like most of the games have been blowouts. We're gonna talk about an exciting game tonight that happened. But like for the most part, uh, you know, uh, what Jazz Seventy Sixers uh, Hawks are up three one. The games really haven't been close. Um, yeah, game one was close. That was game it. one was close. That was it. The Heat and the Bucks was a sweep. Game one was close. The rest were twenty point blowouts. So it hadn't been like a whole bunch of. Um, Really, really close games. games, but I think the the first the first series that was over the Heat Bucks, I think I, at least I was surprised at how dominant the Bucks were and uh, how legitimately you know they can I, I think give the Nets a run for their money. I don't know if they can beat them, especially with the Davinzio uh, injury, but I, I think they got a solid. Foundation. I, don't, I don't know what you just said. I think you was trying to say Divincenzo, but yeah, whatever his name. <laughs> That's a, I mean, that's the starter, though. Like, it's going to hurt to lose a starter. And the guy they slide in, Brian Forbes, I mean, is kind of um, a guy who kind of, you know. Yeah, like a good bench player, a good role player. Yeah, player. decent. You know, he's a yeah. shooter. That's it. You know, but I just feel like the 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 difference here and what we saw last year with the Bucks miami Heat, you know, they built that wall to stop Giannis. So, and I think – Draymond Green was just talking about it on TNT. I mean, they made moves to basically address all of the issues that you saw the year before. And the biggest one, obviously, was Drew Holiday. So now you have a third scorer. So now it's not just Chris Middleton and Giannis. But more importantly, you know, we watched, talked about all the smoke. They always talk about, you know, most underrated defender in the league. And people always say Drew Holiday. Yeah. So now you got a guard who can give you 20 points a game, but also who's going to be, you know, one of the best guard defenders in the league. So, you're going to put Drew Holiday on uh, Kyrie and probably ask for 20 points a night from him. Um, yeah. Chris Middleton, he's a scorer. Uh, I think in some situations you're going to have him on on KD, but realistically speaking, I'm I, if I'm them, I'm putting Giannis on, yeah. on, on KD. Definitely. Brooke Lopez, you know, that's a guy who not only can step out and shoot the three, but he also can play on the block. I think he presents a problem for Brooklyn because, you know, who do they really have that is going to – be a legitimate seven footer. And listen, watching the two of them play on the block together, I mean, that's 6'10, 6'11, and seven feet, Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez. Yep. It's not to be, you don't turn your nose up at that. Devin Chinzo, I feel like they missed because he wasn't just a shooter. Like he can create off the dribble. He could also kind of run the point for you. So that to me is why that's a, a big injury. But when you look at the other moves they made, bringing in PJ Tucker and Bobby Portis, I mean, those are guys who just to go along with you already had, you know, Pat Connaughton coming off the bench. Those are guys who just, um, you know, Phil Rose, PJ Tucker can play defense. He can play, you know, somebody in the front court, but he could also knock down the, you know, stand up three. And then Bobby Portis is just a long athletic guy who gives you an additional defender and somebody who can create a little bit off of the dribble and, and knock out open jump shots. So I think those three moves completely changed the outlook of this roster and, and position you well. I mean, but nobody could have planned for the for the Nets getting James Harden. So I right. think still that's the difference maker. Like this roster beats the Nets, I think, as constructed in the offseason. But I don't know that it, it beats 
the Nets with James Harden. We just seen in this series, like every game, somebody's liable to, to drop 40 and maybe two people drop 30. You know, yeah. it's just just too much to defend against. I will say I, I've been a, a Chris Middleton hater and I got to admit, like I, I watched this all four games and like, dude is a legit score. Like he's a legit all star. Um, he's he's a lot better than I thought as a score. But um, I think it comes down to to like, can Giannis outplay KD? Because I, I, I think Drew can at least guard Kyrie um, and then Middleton has to somewhat score with with Harden, but right. you know, KD is a better all-around player than, than not. Giannis, you know, still struggles at shooting a three, still struggles at outside shots. So if if he can't be a big score for him, I, I don't think they can win. So I, I think to me that's the matchup, KD Giannis, uh, and, and who can who can win that battle. I think it's gonna be KD, but I, I do think the Bucks win at least two games in the series. Um yeah, I mean, you know, and just to underscore that that you know, Brian Forbes, DiVincenzo started the whole season. You know, he's a 6'4 guard, and, and to go now in with, with Brian Forbes, you know, a, a guy who's kind of just coming out of nowhere, only 6'2", and now he's got to be your starting shooting guard, um, that's just – that's a, a tough loss to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't – he's not as much of a threat to create off of the dribble, and then you got to think about, like, what you lose potentially on defense with somebody like him in there, you know, pick and rolls. They're going to try to isolate him, um, and I, I just – you know, they needed everything that they had in yeah. the arsenal. And and speaking on the series coming up, uh the Nets beat the Celtics in, in, in five games. Uh Jason Tatum had a great game, uh three, where he, he you know, did his thing and he, he got him a win, but it, he he wasn't gonna be able to consistently do that to, to, to win any more games. And and I think with the Celtics are in a in a tough predicament because now you come off of an Eastern Conference finals loss in six games to the Heat last year in a bubble to now losing in the first round as a seventh seed and, and not only, you know, losing badly to the Nets, but the 76ers are getting better with Embiid. Um, the Bucks are going up as they add Drew Holiday. You know, the, uh, the the fourth seed, you know, you're behind the Knicks and the Hawks who are decent teams but have a lot of holes. And when, when you watch these teams, it's like if you finish in seventh seed, I know they had Jalen Brown injury. Um, Kemba Walker can't seem to stay healthy. Uh, since he's joined the Celtics and in this, you know, it looks like Marcus Smart may be on his way out. So you wonder a, a team that looked very promising three, four years ago, coming off of uh, two conference finals losses in, in the last three years, you wonder what what's next for them. Well, listen, I already made this point to you off the podcast, but I think some of it is indicative of like just what went on with the bubble, right? Like those guys were in the bubble till what was that? Um, October. The end of, of yeah till October, so they were in there for ninety plus days, and you were looking at teams like the Heat and the Celtics, who your Eastern Conference uh, Finals teams, uh, both with first round exits, both with big injuries, uh, albeit like Victor Oladipo wasn't in the bubble, so you know that's he's a, and he's has a history of injuries, but you know just the way that that team looked sluggish, they didn't look like they. They didn't look like they improved in their second year. And being at the, the game the other night, it was just like the fans were cheering so hard for, for uh, Bam Adebayo because they had such high expectations and they had watched him dominate the playoffs last year. But at 6'9", going against Giannis in Brooke Lopez, he was just too small. Jimmy Butler looked tired. Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero gave you zero. Right. Kendrick Nunn was non-existent. I mean, Gordon Drogic looked kind of throwing up a lot of desperation shots. They were tired. You know, yeah. and then Jalen Brown gets hurt. Kimball Walker is missing games. So I just think that playing that long into the bubble, I think the NBA maybe, you know, we wanted them to come back. And I remember saying, like, you know, money's on the line. They need to come back and play. But maybe their season could have been a little bit shorter because, you know, uh, and I'm just not ready to write off the Celtics in the heat just yet because a lot of people are saying, you know, those two rosters, they need to do something with the youth they have, maybe move some people and add some different pieces because maybe they're poorly constructed. I think another part of it is just the reality that the teams like the Bucks and the Nets got a head start on the offseason, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the Nets essentially weren't even in the bubble, right? right. So those guys had been off since whenever. I mean, KD didn't play that whole year. Kyrie barely played. So you're talking about a guy's who were fresh, then loaded up and brought in on James Harden. Right. Right. So, I mean, that, that's a crazy advantage. And, 
you know, when you talk about the Bucks, they had the advantage of, of saying, listen, this is how we were beat by the Heat. And they focused their offseason to, you know, fixing those holes in the roster, whereas these other teams are just in the offseason just trying to get healthy. Um, so I think that's a big part of what we saw. And then you come over to the West and you kind of see something similar with, you know, the the one seed and the two seed being teams that either weren't in the bubble or had early exits from the bubble. So I right. think that, you know, you got to come back at least next year with some of these teams to see what they really are going to be. Yeah, speaking of, like, uh, Denver was was a team that lost in the Western Conference Finals, and Jamal Murray is out. And they're right. probably in the most exciting series of the first round. They just went up 3-2 uh, in game five, mm-hmm. um, you know, on Jokic's back, dropping 38. But Dame Lillard went off, dropped 55, record set in 12 three-pointers, um, and kept them alive. I mean, they were down, like, I want to say six to eight at the end of regulation and in the first overtime. And Dame just hit shot after shot after shot. Yeah, both times in the last minute of regulation in the, yes. in the last minute of overtime. And now, I will give C.J. McCollum credit. I think he hit the three, the first three at the end of regulation to to put them with the, to tie the game. And I think then Dame hits another one. But this Dame got the assist on the first three. Also. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and. Dane put them boys on his back. And in the second OT, he was just dead dog tired. I knew he was in trouble when he banked the three. And like, <laughs> right. Like, right. Second, I was like, he right. just threw in as much as he had into it. And, that, and that he banked it in. Luckily, I knew he was going to be in trouble for the rest. But he then he throws a down. pass to Covington, cut into the basket. He misses a dunk. Yeah. He throws a pass to McCullum out on the wing for a potential tie in three pointer. He steps out of bounds. It's like, come on. This dude has 55 points, 12 three pointers. Can y'all? Yeah, help this man out make a play he could yeah i mean it's it's got to be defeating when you're like how long if you're dame lillard do you hang around for that i hate to be that guy because i feel like we complain about everybody moving around in basketball but then at the same time we get frustrated when we have to watch stuff like this where a guy puts up 55 points in you know i mean you got to put some of the blame on you know portland's management dame lillard is, is 30 years old will be 31 in Are you you know, July 15th. Yeah. So it's like, you got to ask, like physically as a smaller guard, your body usually deteriorates fast. You look at Allen Iverson and guys like that. Like yeah. how much longer do you want to be in that situation where you're just beating yourself up? Look at CP3. Right. Right. And and I, I <laughs> want to talk about this. Is coming off of this performance, is Dame Lillard the best guard in the NBA right now? Uh, let's not do that. I, I mean, is he even better than Steph Curry right now? I mean, I mean are we talking about in the playoffs? Maybe he's the best guard, but it, I don't. I don't know that. Every every playoff, he's coming up with big shots. <laughs> and I mean, when you really look at it, how much better is his Portland squad than, than Golden State in terms of talent around him? I mean, you got McCollum, yeah, but he is ridiculously clutch. I give him yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the big shots that he's hitting the playoffs. I mean, you could you know stack them. And this is this is multiple years, right? He hit the big shot to beat Oklahoma City two years ago. Like this is this is not a, a one time thing for him. But I didn't but realize. What about? I mean, I mean, even if we're just going to playoffs, you still might have to put Devin Booker first. Kyrie, yeah, guys out there, man. They, he just does so much. Trey Young is balling right now. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, but but shout out to Denver too. The light skinned assassins outside of Jokic, all them boys light skinned. Austin oh Rivers, God. Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. Got to yeah. give a shout out to my yeah. boys. And, and, <laughs> and we're all being carried in the backs of that white man. Jokic. Hey, man. I got to give them boys credit for stepping yeah, up. We're talking about this since we're on the subject of light skins. Can we shift the conversation to LA and how Kyle Kuzma didn't show up tonight? How your light skinned oh, brethren AD is sitting on the bench like Mr. Glass nursing injuries? I mean, like. Say, bro, we, we, we defend we, defend that foolishness. We know as Pelicans fans, this is this is AD's typical behavior, right? I think everybody's like you, you mentioned off the pile, like everybody's he's in a limelight now, so it's more attention given to him. You heard Barkley calling him street clothes, uh, and, and people going after street him clothes Davis, yeah, because it's, it's a big pivotal game five, and you're talking about CP3 who hasn't missed the game after suffering that, that major so, shoulder injury, um. So for him not to suit up at all, like, it's just like, come on, man. And like, the fact that, you know, like Chuck was bringing up, well, why did he make the trip? Why did they have him in warmups? Because the team doctors probably said that they thought he could potentially play. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then at that point, it just becomes a pain tolerance issue. Which he has none. 
Exactly. Like, I mean, and the crazy part is it's so bad to where when even last year in the finals, he went down one game. It's he where he stepped on somebody's foot coming down. And you're thinking like he's not gonna come back out of the timeout. He's not it becomes painful to watch a player like that. Yeah. Because he hits the floor and falls out like once per game. And right. every time it happens, you're thinking he's gonna miss a week. He's gonna miss three or four games. He because as a Pelicans fan, that's what you got used to. Lakers fans, they got a little spoiled. You know, some people may say that the bubble helped him, you know, him and LeBron, to be honest. LeBron up in age and then somebody like him because you got a month off for somebody who's always nursing an injury. Right. Um, And so now this is what they need to get used to. Just, you know, a bunch of games missed during the regular season, leaving playoff games unexplainably. Listen, I don't think they would have won the game tonight, even if Anthony Davis played because the the Suns were playing that well. But I do think they would have won the last game if he didn't come out in the second half. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think they do win that game. However, you're like, up three one if he plays the second half of the last right. game, and then you lose is three two, and you go back home with the chance to end the series. That's a totally different situation. And even in game four, when he went out, he had six points at half. You know, so it's just like it's starting to be frustrating because LeBron wanted him to join a team so he could become the great player. So LeBron could, you know, kind of fade out. Yeah, yeah, and like and, and kind of let Anthony Davis take on the brunt of the score. But he's working harder than ever trying to carry AD's ass from the bench to the second round. And I AD mean, didn't play particularly well in game one either. He didn't. He played awful to the point where he had to address it. Um, so down 3-2, going back to L.A., what's your thoughts? Do, can they even make it? Before I even talk about can they win a series, do you think they force a game seven? LeBron has never lost in the first round in his career. I think the question is, does AD play? Also, you know, KCP, KCP didn't play the second half of the last game either. So you're talking about so he's supposedly dealing with a knee contusion. He had zero points tonight. Schroeder had zero points tonight. Montrezl Harrell has been inexplicably benched after they signed him to a two-year $15 million contract in favor of signing Dwight Howard. There's a lot of unexplained behavior. Uh, Schroeder... Yeah, they say Schroeder isn't a fan of his role on the team, so he doesn't want to re-sign next year. Um, Terrell not playing at all speaks probably to me to some infighting about, you know, his role. He's Mm -hmm. considered the third set on the roster because you brought Drummond in, and maybe he didn't like that. But Drummond, to me, is pretty worthless because can't move his feet on defense. AD, they feel like he blocks the post when AD is there. Okay, AD doesn't play tonight. He still only gives you eight points. He's not much of a threat in the low post. You know what I mean? So, um a lot of unexplained stuff going on with regard to to how they're constructed, and it seemed poorly constructed to me. I didn't understand some of the moves after winning championship, other than it being a youth movement. But you know that to me, it seems like they struck out on that. Um, obviously, AD would be the bandaid on top of all of that, but he's hurt now. So, or will LeBron and AD combined? I think are the bandaid on top of all of that. So to answer your question, I think AD plays Game Six if he's even moderately healthy and has a heartbeat, you know, in terms of actually doesn't want to get eliminated and gives you something like 25 and 10. I think they force a game seven. Um, But I I just don't know. I don't know. I think it just, to me, this is a true test of AD's heart because we don't really know him in this context yet. Coming off of a championship, people expect you to win this series. You miss a game and a half. And now everybody's looking at you. Are you going to come out and play? We're about to learn a lot about him. If he doesn't play, obviously I think they lose. And if he doesn't play, I mean, man, going into the offseason at 36 years old as LeBron, I feel like you're probably looking at him like kind of pissed, but also thinking we need to add another piece because this dude is going to probably keep doing this. You can't count on him. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. As a LeBron fan, I feel like he'll somehow will them if they win a game six. I just don't see them losing a game seven to a young Phoenix Suns team. With a you know Chris Paul who got re-injured to shoulder tonight. Here's why they would lose because because Phoenix can shoot and they can't. Yeah, that's that's basketball, baby. There's no way. So uh, to me, is all this LeBron willing the team to win? They're the better shooting basketball team. They're the most more young and more athletic basketball team. That's why they're winning. That's probably why they're gonna win this series. And to me, that's why they're the two seed. You know what I'm saying? Like we're acting like the Lakers. The Lakers are the seventh seed because they've been dealing with injuries all season. So guess what? They still dealing with injuries. Listen, pressure bust pipes and the game seven. Them assholes gonna be super tight. 
be shitting out diamonds. I just don't see the Suns <laughs> pulling it out. But I'll say this. Might need to put some money on that. I'll say this. As currently constructed, the Lakers have z- almost zero chance of making it to the finals. And if somehow they make the finals, they'll get blown out by the Nets because they they got too many holes. That that team just they don't have any playmakers coming off the bench. <sighs> Newsflash! Outside of LeBron, everybody's gonna get blown up by the Nets. Yeah, I mean the fact True. that Schroeder is supposed to be their other ball handler. All this dude does is just drive. He has one man fast breaks and he just drives into the heart of the defense and throws up these ill-advised layups. He was 0 for nine tonight with one assist, yeah. starting at the point guard position and complaining about his role in the team. Like, get and, a clue. And you're supposed to be the third guy out of the big, you know, right. whatever, if you want to call it a big three. But he was supposed to be that third guy, and, and, and right now he's not even the, the fifth guy. So or KCP, KCP was zero points. I mean, Harrell, you know, didn't play until the end of the fourth quarter. I mean, the acquisitions, Wes Matthews, worthless. Like the acquisitions make no sense. And and you know, as much credit as Rob Palenka got last year, he's got to take some fault this year. And listen, let, let me call out AD right quick, bro. You can't sit in a game five, a pivotal game five, and then wear a Kobe Bryant shirt. <laughs> a dude known for playing through playing injury. who shot free throws with broken exactly. fingers and torn Achilles and you have like, a strained groin if Kobe man I'm not even gonna say it I'm not even gonna bring him into this I'm not gonna bring him into this it's like but I know that when they asked Shaq about it after the game he would not comment that's that's what I'm saying but like don't do that don't 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 bring attention he to probably you. was disgusted at what he saw <laughs> just, just like, wear a white he tea. played with kobe and you're gonna wear a kobe shirt just, just wear a white tee with yeah. a kobe shirt while you sitting with a groin injury come on man like just just come on he would have called you before the game we know come on man i'm less ne- next topic i'm not i'm not bringing i'm you know I'm, I'm not gonna disrespect his memory Let, let's stay in la let's <laughs> stay in la and, and we, we've been talking about injuries right luca and in, in the in Mavs go up 2-0 on the road. Come home. If they win one out of the two in Dallas. 3-1. They probably win a series, right? But but Luka gets hurt in, in, in game three. Questionable going into game four, but plays. Um, but just doesn't look right. He has a neck injury. Look like some back issues resulting from that. And now the Clippers are tied 2-2 with everybody basically thinking they're going to win it 4-2. So the, the Clippers go from, you know, out of the Clippers and Lakers, everybody thought the Clippers had a potential to lose first round. They look like the, you know, I think if they win this series, they're the favorites to win the West. But it's just crazy because, again, what are we really talking about? Injuries. Like injuries yeah. controlling yeah. everything. So yeah. I think you got to put a little bit on NBA management because, like, some of this just wasn't, like, as yeah. well thought. Like, you survived the regular season and now you have a playoffs that's just dominated by, like, who can survive – you know, the injury. And and what does that mean? That the teams that did the most load management, Brooklyn and LA Clippers, might end up getting rewarded. So you are on them all season, but they're gonna be able to look back and say we did the smartest thing because the people who could who didn't load manage, you know, had substantial injuries, and here we are now walking into NBA finals. So I think NBA the NBA has to look at like you rewarded, you can't complain about bad behavior and then reward it. Right. Um but yeah, I mean, Luca clearly looks like something's wrong with him. You know, he's dropping forty-point triple doubles in the first two games, and now his shooting percentage is substantially down. He shot one for seven from behind the arc. I think the last five. game, over yeah. five from the free throw line. Yeah, like his. It's clear that he's got whatever they were referring to the nerve damage, the pain that's reverberating up his spine and his neck is clearly affecting him. And you can see he's just slapping the chair on every time out because he knows he can no longer play at the highest level. And this is a team that desperately needs him to be like to play out of this world for them to win games. Because yeah. I'm sorry, but Przingis is like he's no longer the Przing God of 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 Nick fame. Like Man. he's just a, a decent basketball player at this point. Yeah. You don't see him hitting a lot of threes. He barely has a post game. He's just somebody's gonna hit mid-range jumpers and give you in you know some low post moves because of a height advantage but he's he's not a dominant force that number four overall pick that we knew um yeah. from before, before those injuries for a guy that was supposed to be a legit number two on a title team like right he no no longer looks like a threat and, and now like dallas has to rethink their whole strategy because right you can build around luca but there's no other star yeah and, and yeah Przingis is not you know nah. gonna be a pip into his jordan or anything of that nature no not at all 
you you hope he's Luke Longley at this point. Yeah, I mean, realistically speaking, you're probably hoping you can win one more game unless, you know, there's a mysterious doctor out there who can come in and, and fix this dude's neck. It seems like this series is over. Yeah, uh, I think it is. Um, we briefly talked about, you know, the, the Jazz, the 76ers, the Hawks. I, I think the big storyline, again, we go back to injuries, right? Joel Embiid goes down in game four. Um, they, they were looking to sweep the the, uh, the Wizards, and the Wizards, for all intents and purposes, ready to go home. But but MB goes down. Simmons struggles from the free throw line at the end in the fourth quarter, and the Wizards win. So you know they they got to play a game five. I I don't think anybody thinks the Wizards are gonna win the series, even if MB can't play. But you do worry about you know 76ers, you know contending in the next in the, in the Eastern Conference semifinals, much less getting to the to the uh, Eastern Conference finals. Even yeah. even though they probably play the Hawks, who, and it's who a knee much. injury, right? Um, I don't know that the, the, the 76 beat the Hawks without Joel Embiid. I don't think they do. Right. I mean, this Hawks team, they got some shooters. They attacked the rim. They moved the ball around. I just, you know, the way they've handled up on the Knicks, I don't see the, the 76ers winning that series without Joel Embiid. And it's a knee injury. Like, you know, a groin, a groin, <laughs> listen, but a knee injury on a guy who's seven feet, all right, that to me, like if you're getting MRIs done, you have some substantial pain and they're worried about structural damage. And Embiid um, has had multiple knee injuries, right? He's exactly. He's a couple of times, I think right. on both knees. Right, right. So to me, that's a huge issue. Um, and that all the latest reports as of yesterday, or well, I guess we're, we're you know, Tuesday night. So as of earlier today, we're still uh, up in the air. His status and what's going to happen when it's still in question. Um, anything about the Jazz series? I mean, they, they look decent, mm-hmm. but, but they're the one seed. I mean, they lost one game when Spider Mitchell didn't play. He's played ever since, and they've won those games. They're doing what they're supposed to do. So, you know, do they have a shot to beat the Clippers, in your opinion? I mean, I think it'll be a good series because from what we've seen, I mean, yeah, it took some out of this world games from Luka to, to win those first couple of games. But when you really start to break the Clippers down, just kind of like the Lakers, when you start peeling away the layers of that roster, it's like, yeah, really, they have to have Paul George and Kawhi give them like 30 apiece to win. Similar mm-hmm. to where the Lakers, it's like, you know, they need 30 and 30 from um, Bron and AD. Like they can't really win. There's not... I mean, realistically, the Lakers probably could get, you know, Kuzma might have a game where he gives you close to 20. Schroeder might have give you a game where he gives you close to 20. Used to be where you thought Harrell might do that. You know, you could get maybe 12 from a um, Gasol who stits back there and shoot threes. Drummond, you know, in one of the halves of one of those games gave you 12 in the first half. You go to the Clippers roster and they don't really have that. You know, they don't really have as many people to lean on offensively. So I could see themselves getting into a situation where they're still, you know, in danger. It's the one C. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. there's, there's a reason that Utah had the best record in basketball this year. And Spider Mitch was capable of dropping 35 plus a night. Right, right. He's you know? not the shooter that Luka is, but he's as deadly as an offensive threat. Definitely. Um, and, and I saved the best for last, bro. Let's. What's your assessment of, of the Knicks? Told you, y'all I wasn't, hyped, bro. told you I wasn't talking about this. <laughs> y'all were all hyped after that one win. Julius Randle is struggling. <laughs> Next topic. Oh, man. Um, that's it for basketball. So so uh, I want to talk about that. I think that biggest topic in sports outside of the NBA playoffs, and that's Naomi Osaka, right? Um, multiple, you know, Grand Slam winner. Um kind of becoming the face of tennis, probably, you know, uh, one of the most recognizable tennis players uh, in, in, a, in a women's game outside of Serena Williams, uh, has decided not to speak with the media. And she said it was due to depression and, and anxiety. Um, and so she was fined $15,000 for skipping her media obligations after her first round win, and, and or before her first round win, actually, and was said... It, and French Open came out and said that it would be stiffer penalties possibly resulting in a withdrawal or, or disqualification uh, if she continued to to uh, skip out on media obligations. The other championships, Wimbledon, U.S. Open, Australian Open, also said that there would be penalties if she you know, kept refusing to speak with media. So after her first round match, she decided to withdraw, citing you know anxiety. And, and there's been a lot of, of talk 
and buzz about you know what happened what, what's your thoughts first off on it? so i'll start with the unpopular part unpopular part of my opinion first look we do a podcast so we can't like just down the media like we're technically i guess part of the media even though like nobody listens to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> um, uh so i do think that part of your job as an athlete is to speak to the media as much as everyone hates to acknowledge that part but i think there's some some things we need to acknowledge along with that right when initially that was recognized as a part as a part of an athlete's job, you know, there was no 24 hour news cycle, right? There weren't 10 stations solely dedicated to covering sports 24 hours a day. You know, they weren't being deconstructed uh, in the way that they are now. There wasn't social media, which allows for instant analysis by everyone, including our podcast of everything that they say and do. Like you couldn't just break down the person. Like I might, you know, we might joke about how like we don't really care for a lot of stuff Kyrie does, but maybe 15 years ago we wouldn't feel the same way because we wouldn't know Kyrie as well, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I told my Michael Jordan story, and I, I began to not like him after I met him as a person. Still thought he's a great basketball player, but you know, the the landscape of of the coverage of athletes in today's society has shifted a ton. Right. And there's a reason that people like Paul George and Kevin Love came out and talked about the mental health issues that come with it. You know, we were joking in a group text just about me and a, a former coworker of mine who do a job that does tend to get covered pretty heavily in the media. And, you know, we're always told, don't let the wins go to your head, losses go to your heart. Don't read your press, press clippings. Don't read the comments underneath the, the press clippings associated with stuff that you've been involved with because it can get really toxic down there and it can make you want to respond. And, and in, in our line of work, some people have responded, gotten a lot of trouble for it. KD, you know, in their profession does it from burner accounts and he's developed a really negative <laughs> reputation for that. Right? right. So I, you know, I'm of the opinion that, um, I respect what she's doing because I think there does need to be a conversation about how much media coverage has changed and how much media coverage impacts the mental health and stability of the athletes that that are covered. Um, one example I saw go viral was Jennifer Capriati, right, who was a superstar tennis player from New York. At 13, they were saying she's going to be the greatest in the world. She was the next great one. And then, you know, by the time she was, I don't know, maybe 20 or something, she was strung out on drugs and all yeah. the headlines were about how she had blown it, you know, how she had wasted her career. She later came on to have like a you know, moderately successful career, respectable um, by anybody's accounts, but not what she was held out to be early on. And, you know, there's all that that Venus clip where she she's being interviewed as a young girl. And they're like, why do you have so much confidence? And her dad interrupts because he's like, you're trying to destroy her confidence at a young age. I don't think that we acknowledge um, enough what happens to to young people going through that process so young nowadays and being asked all these questions and being interviewed and just the the constant coverage and, and conversation about every single failure. Um, and so I respect to a great extent what she's doing and I hope that it forces a lot more conversation and enforces more respect for members of the media and the way athletes are treated and covered. Yeah, and I, I'll say this too, like as somebody who suffers from anxiety, like I know a lot of people are like, I don't want to hear about million dollar athletes, you know, who don't want to speak with the media, but like that anxiety and depression shit is real and, and it doesn't matter how much money you make. That's how a guy like Kevin Love can, you know, have a panic attack, although he has $200 million in a bank. And that's mm -hmm. why somebody like Osaka, who has major championships and, you know, won over $15 million in, in purse money can suffer from anxiety. And like, it doesn't have to always, it, it can be irrational. Like she could know, like nothing's going to happen from me interviewing, but like just the thought of it creating anxiety that becomes real for that person. And so like, I just, I just don't want the narrative to be like, here's another like spoiled million dollar athlete. Like if you don't want to talk to the media, don't play tennis. Like it doesn't matter what line of work you're in. Like that shit is real. And, and like, you got to respect what the person's going through. I don't and, understand how people don't understand how million dollar athletes can't <laughs> go through mental health issues. I would think that it makes them more likely to go through it. Listen, yeah. I was reading a post on social media the other day and it was like, all of like they were like panic attacks aren't just when you like 
get lightheaded and shortness right. of breath and this, that, and the third. It listed all the different things that can happen to one's body when one has a panic attack. And like half of the list I had experienced just in my line of work, like mm -hmm. before I was about to perform on, on a much smaller level, right? And I was like, man, I didn't realize those were panic attacks. I really just thought like, oh, this thing is happening. Like my throat feels like it's closing for some reason. Why can't I, I'm struggling to talk. Like, you know what I'm saying? Let me unbutton my top button. Like I didn't, I was reading this list and I was like, you know, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, like just all of the crazy stuff that I've experienced. And they are like, I'm doing this in front of like, you know, maybe a hundred people. And then maybe it's in the newspaper for a few thousand, but they're doing this in front of the world. Right. Yep. And if you're Kevin Love, you know that everybody is saying you're the weakest link. If you're Chris Bosch, you know, everybody's saying like, or is he going to show up tonight? If they can, if they can just get enough from him, like, the level of pressure involved in that. And everybody wants to see LeBron win. So not everybody, but a lot of people want to see LeBron win. And if you fail, I mean, think about the Scottie Pippen headache example. When you fail, it's all your fault. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that yep. level of pressure. I don't understand people. And tennis is a solo sport. Exactly. And this girl is queer. She's clearly a quiet young lady, right? She clearly right. doesn't enjoy the spotlight. She said, that, you know, from somebody like me, I'm used to doing all this talking, but for somebody like that who's not used to doing the talking, she just goes out and performs. Like the anxiety comes when she has to walk through the tunnel and answer all these damn questions. Right. And I mean, I, I think just to answer your question, I, I think a lot of people assume or, or disregard their feelings because people associate stress, anxiety, depression with like financial stability, like not right. having money. And, and right. so you see athletes as having this financial stability. What do you have to be stressed for or worried about or anxious about? And I just think it's it's just a, a bad narrative and, and it's not true. But um, in saying all that too, I, I don't know, like as a, as a, what, what you call it, like an association that the, the world tennis association, like you have to address it because she's one of your best players. And at some point she has to speak to the media or else like, it hurts the future of your sport, right? Because right. you need your stars to, to talk and to, to sell a product. So I, I don't know what's the, the middle ground or what's the end game, but but they definitely have to work with it. And, I'm, and I saw just on ESPN just a minute ago where um, the Grand Slams came out in support of uh, Osaka just saying they, you know, they want to offer any assistance. So that's good to see him too. Uh, yeah, I mean, back in the day, we used to have Ricky Williams doing an interview with a he helmet on because <laughs> right. he had anxiety. And back exactly. then, all they did was laugh at his ass, all right? So, you know... Although after I heard some more recent interviews with Ricky, Ricky was wilding. All right, yeah. I felt a little like less bad for laughing at him because he was running through New Orleans. Yes, that boy was wilding out in New Orleans. All right, let's just say that his anxiety seemed to disappear when he hit the streets of the French Quarter at night, according to the stories he was telling. But anyway, back to the <laughs> point of this story. Like tennis is a historically arrogant sport. The French are historically arrogant. You know, yeah. no disrespect to all our French listeners, the the one that may exist or two, um, and so. I didn't really expect much cooperation from them. So when they basically gave her the ultimatum and told her they were going to kick out the tournament, uh, I wasn't surprised at all because I could have seen that coming before it ever happened. Uh, but much respect to her for sticking by her guns and basically saying, well, then I'm out. Like I, I, I was making, you know, right. a point to start with. And I'm not just making a point like this actually does give me anxiety. Well, exactly. And, um, I'm, so I'm willing to stick to my guns and we'll address it after the tournament. Yeah, no, definitely. Shout out to, um, and, and hope they can get that, that done. Um, just in other news and tennis, since we're on a topic right quick, our girl Coco Golf has Doubles. joined with Venus Williams. Fire. You know what I'm saying? Fire. Like, and then we know what this is. Like Venus is also teaching her. You exactly. Know? And I also love Venus's quote where she was just basically like, I look at y'all like none of y'all could ever do what I do. So I don't really care what your questions y'all ask me because you could never do what I do in my sport. So you could never blow out my candle, I think was her exact quote, which I, I respected the hell out of that. But she said, I also acknowledge that not everybody thinks like me. Right. But again, going back to the way her father raised her uh, in that that epic interview where he stepped in and was like, why are you trying to break this girl's confidence? So she's a young black girl. She's 13 years old. She's confident. See, when you ask her the first time why she thinks she can win, and she tells you, and then you ask her again the second time, that's when you start to crack at her confidence because she starts to think, maybe I shouldn't win. Yeah. Um, and so she was built a different way because of the machine that was behind her uh, and, and her father. Richard, and I, I believe, is his name. He, Richard Williams is his name. And I don't think he gets um, 
you know, enough credit because I think he was he was you know branded as this crazy guy who, but he raised two they of the best female that, tennis players to ever play the game. And in you fact, gotta be a little crazy to teach somebody a sport and get them out of the ghetto when you weren't great at the sport yourself. And and two of them, two of two them, two of them, right? Uh, and I, I think you know people are starting to recognize him because there is a movie coming out where Will Smith is playing Richard Williams. I'm not sure exactly when it comes out, but uh, I think it's coming out in the next either this year or next year. So so shout out to, to Richard Williams for that. Um, let's move on to sport. We don't talk a Will, lot about Will Smith. Been in a lot of bad movies lately. I'm just put that out there, but go ahead. Hey, but don't hit on my dog. <laughs> He's he gonna break the streak with Richard Williams. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds like it reeks of desperation, but yeah, all right. We'll listen, see what happens. We'll listen, see what it's, happens. It's, it's hard to mess up a, 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 a biopic. I'll say that. All right. Jamie uh, Foxx won, won an Oscar on the shit. All right. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to mess that up. Uh, let's talk a little bit boxing, but that's this show sport. The, uh, the mm. Paul brothers, Logan and Jake. Um, both got some big fights, fights in Miami. I'm tempted. I'm tempted to get tickets, but it's Sunday night, and I'm starting some new stuff at work on on Monday. So I just don't think I should be out late in Miami streets on a, a Sunday night. Man, that you gotta go, bro. Ocho Cinco is in the undercard. Like, is Ocho Cinco fighting? Yes. Oh, I might have to get a ticket. I might have to get a ticket. We'll see. We'll see what the it's at the it's at the Hard Rock, and I went to see the Canelo fight at the Hard Rock, and there are no good sight lines for a boxing match in a football stadium. I'll tell you that. Check this out. He don't have an opponent yet, so it's oh my it, god. It, it, it so he's gonna fight somebody Sunday. He's just gonna pull somebody off the street. Uh, apparently. Listen, apparently. I'll come in there. They give me a six figure uh, paycheck. I'll right. fight Ocho. Great. What are you right. about six foot one ninety? Coming in at five five ten one seventy. We could we could go. Listen, like Jay Z said, I'm awkward. I box lefty. He ain't gonna be ready for me. Yeah, I want. I want to see somebody get a good lick on his ass. I'm back on I am athlete and have to explain that. Talk about that shit. But listen, does does Logan Paul have any kind of shot scheduled to fight Floyd Mayweather? I don't think Logan Paul has any shot. I mean, he does have a substantial size advantage, but I just don't think he's gonna touch uh, Floyd. Like, and I don't think Floyd would get in the ring if he if he didn't feel like. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of ridiculous. I mean, Floyd uh, fought some of those exhibitions against, I think one was a kickboxer in Japan, um, made a ton of money doing that. Logan Paul, um, what, he's got two professional fights? Um, I just don't see, I, I don't see this even being all entertaining, but I, I believe he's not allowed to lock him, knock him out as, you know, we've seen in some of these other exhibitions. Gotcha. Now, Jake Paul, on the other hand, agreed to fight former UFC welterweight. Well, champion. I do want to put out there, like, there's a su- substantial size difference, though. Like, Floyd is probably, what, like, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, 160. Yeah. Logan Paul is 6'2". Is and he, I'm sorry, he only has one professional fight, and he lost that fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what's, what the hell is going on here. I don't even know. How do you how do you schedule a fight with the loser, brother? I don't get that, but whatever. <laughs> He must Floyd like has no pride, no self-respect. Right. This like a paycheck is a paycheck is a paycheck. Look, they don't call him money Mayweather for nothing. <laughs> That's you absolutely right. <laughs> uh, Jake Paul, on the other hand, has a former UFC welterweight Tyron Woodley. Um, you know, so I think it'll be a, a decent match. No, not sure. no, no. Again, we dealing with these. So he beat the last UFC fighter he right. fought, right? Right. And Tyron Woodley was is that dude's homeboy. That UFC fighter came in out of shape, overweight, and then after there was all these like handshakes that made me feel like that was, if not staged, like the fix was in, right? Um, and so this fight, the, the last fight was Ben Askren. Tyron Woodley is friends with Ben Askren. Tyron Woodley is, again, like a 5'9", probably about 175, uh arts fighter who is like a college wrestling champion. Right. And so I saw some clips over the last couple of months. He's been sparring, which tells me that this wasn't an overnight thing. Like he's been sparring for the last two months. I'm sure this fight has been in the work. Conversations have been in this fight. He was at Jake Paul's you know, practice for the Ben Askren fight. And they were saying, since Ben Askren's your boy, how much money do you want to put down? Blah, 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 blah. He refused to bet any money. In my mind, it's because he knew Ben Askren was about to get his ass kicked because he knew Ben Askren wasn't training. Right. Right. And now here he comes, and I'm watching him, uh, you know, 
do the, the the handwork and it looks like if I was practicing, like it doesn't <laughs> look like some really experienced fighter. He's not an experienced fighter with regard to boxing. He's, you know, a, a former wrestler, right? He had good hands. He's for an MMA fighter, right? right? I mean, we've already seen what that looks like when one of the best boxers in MMA um fought Floyd, yeah, fought, fought, fought Floyd Mayweather and it, he got his ass kicked. So with these other guys doing this, even if Jake Paul isn't um, the greatest fighter, I think he might win this fight. And what it is to me is like if the person who needs to be upset is the head of UFC, because at a certain point, if my old champions keep going and get their ass kicked by, you know, a former Disney Channel star who's got like no professional real experience under his belt, it speaks to, you know, the hands on these guys, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And the chins, right? Right. Um, cause, cause they getting knocked out. So yeah, I, I think that Logan Paul, no chance. Jake Paul might win this fight. And my thing is that, you know, Jake Paul wants to be considered a real boxer. He goes on, I am athlete and like, you know, disregarding, uh, Brandon Marshall saying he's a boxer. And it's like, dude, you haven't even fought a boxer yet. Like if you are really serious, like go fight right. a real boxer, right? Go fight. Cause boxer. what's him call it? Um, the, the heavyweight champion. His younger brother is has challenged Jake Paul a number of times, yeah. and uh, Shaq said, "I'll put the money up." And no fight, right? You fighting another UFC fighter that you got a three inch height advantage on, who's a wrestler by trade. Exactly, like that. That's what I'm saying. Like until you fight a real boxer, like nobody's gonna respect. I don't. I don't care. You know, you you're talking about you knocked out. Uh, what's the best? Nate Robinson. Like, come on. Right. Man. A five, eight back. Like you even finding like guys who you have substantial height and reach advantage against in professional sports. It's just a joke. Right. Exactly. So, you know, Jake Paul fight somebody. And, real and Tyson Fury's brother is Tommy Fury, um, who's been challenging him to a fight. Not a great professional fighter by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yet he won't fight him. Right. Yet he won't fight him. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like that tells me all I need to know. Um, but that, that's all we got, man. Let's wrap up with our winners and losers. So uh, who, who you got for your winners tonight? Man, we, we've talked uh, so much basketball. Everything's probably going to be basketball related. <laughs> Dame Lillard, you know, 12 three-pointers and a 55-point victory. Man, get my boy out of Portland. I hate to be that that type of fan who calls for the guy to get out the small market. But like I said, Steph's 31. He's 33. I'm sorry. Steph's 33. He's 31. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about to be 32. I just think it's time, man. It's time for – he's 30, about to be 31. It's time for, you know, Dane to, to go somewhere else, really spread his wings and make a title run. Uh, but he's my first winner. Um, my second winner is Jason Tatum. I mean, again, a guy who, you know, left it all out there. Games three, four, and five, he had 50 points, 40 points, 32 points. He just wore down. He, he needs more help. Um, obviously Jalen Brown's out. Kemba Walker, I think, you know, missed the, the last two games, I believe. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, again, you're talking about a future star. It's 23-year-old basketball player, Jason Tatum, uh, putting up these 50 points. And he had a 50-point game at the right towards the end of the season as well. So he's my second winner. Uh, another light-skinned assassin. Got to give my man Tatum God. props. Oh, my God. <laughs> Got to give my man Tatum props. He's, he's definitely stepping up as one of the elite I'm going to start the next podcast with uh, Stephen – I'm sorry, not Stephen. Shannon Sharp's rant on, on y'all light-skinned ball players. <laughs> uh, what are my winners? The first one is the Basketball African League. Um, I think it was a success. They completed the inaugural season. With, well, uh, I mean, what they had five games in the inaugural season. Hey, bro, you got to start somewhere. So they, they ain't have shit for the last. Season started two weeks ago. Yeah, man. Listen, they coming from nothing, bro. Something oh, is, is better than nothing. Damn, um, J. Cole couldn't finish that season? Hell, man. There was only two more games left. Listen, man, he didn't even belong taking up somebody's <laughs> spot. That boy can't start in the rec league. Um, <laughs> Egypt. Defeated uh, Tunisia. Egypt's Zamalek team defeated U.S. Monaster uh, Tunisia's team in a championship game. They still they on track to start the second season next year in 2022. You know, listen, they they had a lot of they had a coronavirus. They had to come in after the pandemic. They were supposed to play in like five or six different cities. They had to play in one city. Teams had to quarantine. They came across a lot of hurdles, right? They they still they still managed to pull a season, you know, the three week season off, right? I got I got to give them credit for that. You know, it's outreach. They they expanding their base, the basketball 
uh, NBA is expanding their base into Africa now, you know, creating more opportunities. Now, I got to give them props. Uh, my second winner is non-basketball. It's the LSU baseball program with the announcement of Paul Maneri retiring. That is a win for LSU baseball. He has been a coach for 15 years, and, and we're perennial, you know, World Series contenders. Under Maneri, we won one championship and went to a second World Series where we didn't win. But uh, it was time. We got two of the best freshmen in the country, one in Trey Morgan right here out of New Orleans, who should have won cares. He should have won SEC freshman of the year. I care. Uh, Brother Martin Crusader in the house. No how you name. how you always want to say nobody cares about baseball, but you want to talk about college baseball? Because college baseball is different, bro. It's nostalgia, <laughs> you know, especially for Louisiana people. Anyways, it was time so for that. Uh, so that FSU women's baseball team bounced that uh, yeah, LSU I, women's baseball team. Huh? I, went, I went to the Friday night game, got caught in traffic, made it there for the sixth inning, and they lost one nothing. <laughs> damn shame. Uh, I had tickets for Saturday too, but they didn't make. Man, it. I I don't like to be messy, but I just opened my Instagram up. Floyd May- Mayweather on House of Highlights clip posted of him warming up for his fight, and I see Anthony Davis and the likes. I'm just I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm being petty. This is why the this is why they don't like the media now. But I need him to be like getting treatment. Something get get off Instagram, go dark on social media because just seeing his name right now, knowing that they should, you, you just your team just got whipped by forty points, and you right. on Instagram liking pictures of another competitor getting ready for his get get ready for your game. Yeah, you your team is literally on the brink of elimination. You're supposed to be mad because y'all lost, you, right? You can't be on Twitter, right? Like what is going on, man? Listen, all right, that's, is it, that's it, a problem with these young boys, bro. Right. That, that, that's all I got. Let me get into my losers and I'll let you go. Uh, my first loser is Boston Celtics, uh, losing in the first round. I mentioned this earlier. They lost in five games coming off the, the you know, Eastern Conference Finals appearance last year. Um, just where do they stand? Like, they, they got Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown was injured some this year. Kemba's been in and out the lineup. You know, it's just they don't look like they're going to get any better over the 76ers, the Nets, um, the Bucks. So they look fourth at best in that conference moving forward. So, so where do they go to to try to you know make a run back to to get into championship hopes? Um, my second loser, also we mentioned throughout the pod, NBA playoff injuries. You talk about CP3, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Donovan Mitchell missed game one, uh, Dante DaVinciazzo, whatever. Divincenzo. Divincenzo. <laughs> Luka Doncic. I mean, at some point, like. It's bad for the brand. Like, yeah, the NBA maybe NBA. maybe made a mistake rushing them back so fast. Yeah, you watch NBA because of individuals. It's it's an individual, you know, people you market players, stars, right? And your stars are all hurt. Like, that's not good for the brand. So that's my my second loser, uh, Rob. What you got? All right, my first loser is Kevin Garnett and Big Baby. All right, <laughs> <laughs> so Kyrie gets the bottle thrown on him. Yes, he stepped on the eye, but. Kevin Garnett and Big Baby just got to stop. Like, they come out basically saying that what he did was so unacceptable. Big Baby said this is akin to him stepping on all of the Celtics players who ever put on the green and white uniform. First of all, like, what, didn't Big Baby get run out of league and get arrested with, like, drugs on a plane recently? Like, like take yeah, take care of your own stuff over there. And I think he's in the big three right now. But, I mean, he got massively out of shape. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on with him, right? Kevin Garnett, you know – Allegedly, at one point in his career, told Charlie Villain the way that he looked like a cancer patient. <laughs> if we all recall, that he told that he told Melo that Lala looked like she tastes like Cheerios. <laughs> you know his trash, his trash talking. If you go on Twitter, there are a lot of clips of him saying trash has n word to anybody who ever shot a jumper anywhere within two feet of him. I mean, his trash talking was epic. I don't think he ever held anything back when it came to talking trash against other players. Uh, he posted on his Instagram story that um, this this was unacceptable behavior um, on the part of Kyrie. And I just think that, you know, the reality is like all's fair and love and war is a basketball game. Yeah. You know, it, it makes the fans hate Kyrie a little bit more, but to say that it was somehow unacceptable or on, you know, sportsman, like for him to do it is just, come on, this is, this is, 
this is professional sports, you know, right? Grow up, right. grow up here. I mean, um, first of all, big baby shouldn't be talking about anybody. Okay? <laughs> right. Nobody gives a damn. You play for 10 teams at NBA, right? Like, uh, what really would, would you know gets to me about this group of people, right? Because even Kevin Garnett refused to wish like Ray Allen congratulations on going into the Hall of Fame. Like, this Boston Celtics team that won one championship, right? One championship, the way they behave, him and Paul Pierce. <laughs> like they are the greatest things to slice bread. Paul Pierce, like I'm untouchable, has his little Instagram moment the other night. He don't care because I'm straight for life. You know, the way that Rock Kendrick Perkins has somehow become like the best analyst on television, <laughs> the way these dudes behave, right? It, it, to me is just like their resume don't necessarily match up. I mean, KG is the big ticket. I'll, I'll forever give him respect, but they act like they were a Celtics dynasty. They right. they act like they were on the Larry Bird, you know, Kevin McHale team. And he played for Boston for what four years? <laughs> yeah, like, like they got stopped. He got shipped to. They all got shipped out to yeah. to the Nets. Give like, break, man. you know what I'm saying? Like that team wasn't even that loyal to you. They shipped your ass to Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> And it, my second loser is Anthony Davis. You know, they put him up on TV tonight as Mr. Glass. He has to understand that his history of injuries, you know, he wore that buddy, 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 that's all folks shirt to, <laughs> to leave us, the Pelicans, and 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 kind of clowned us on the way out. But what he has to understand now is the 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 microscope is different, man. Yeah. Like you're in L.A. and you're playing with LeBron James. History is going to remember you. They don't care about one championship there. They expect multiple championships. And these type of moments in the playoffs will define you now. So it's all cute and fun and games when you were sitting out games in, in New Orleans and everybody got to say, well, these games don't mean anything. Well, now they mean something. And you're showing that same behavior. And so to me, he's a loser tonight. And if they lose this series, he's got to understand that the blame's not going to go on a 36-year-old LeBron James with, with four rings. It's right. going to go on you. Um, and, and so he's my, my second loser for the night. And, and rightfully so. Um, what you binge watching, bro? What you got? Man, I, I don't I don't think I have anything good tonight. I started binge watching something today on, on HBO, um, but it ain't very good. So I, <laughs> I ain't even going to waste people's time with that. I did watch Master of None this weekend um, on, on Netflix. But it was pretty serious. It, I, it used to be a comedy, and I, so I, you know, I can't really tell people to go watch that either. Gotcha. Oh, uh, what, what about this Mayor Easttown shit? No, no. Oh, Mayor Easttown was bomb. The finale was this week. I'm not gonna spoil it. I'll give people another week. I don't remember if you recall the undoing during earlier in quarantine. The mayor of Easttown ended up being everything that we wanted the undoing to be in terms of plot twist in the final episode. Man, I was from side to side, like, who did it? Who did it? Who did it? And, man, within one episode, they had me thinking, like, three different people did it. All right. All right. I'm going to check that one out. Um, I, I have been not not watching anything other than playoffs, so I have nothing to, to report back on. So maybe next week I'm, I'm going to check out that mayor Easttown, though, because I heard a couple people talk about it. Um, but other than that, man, we out of here. Um Hopefully, we're going to talk about LeBron in the second round and, and, and a good Nets Bucks series next month. Yeah. In Treatment was the show I've been watching on, on HBO, but it's not, I, I'm not recommending that just yet. All right, cool, cool. Well, we have some more recommendations for y'all next week. Anything before we get out of here? Nah, I ain't got nothing else. Um, I, I think I wanted to say this. There was rest in peace to somebody. Oh, rest in peace to Coach Brewer of, of Morehouse basketball fame. Great coach. I was a intern, you know, for the for the sports and information director. So I used to keep the stats for the basketball games. He's always a really nice guy, super intense, great coach. Um, always had our teams overperforming. And he passed away this week at 63 years old, uh, very young and, and unexpected, at least from my perspective. So uh rest in peace uh to Coach Brew. Definitely. And we uh we gonna get out of here, y'all. Y'all have a good week. All right, we out of here. What do you hold on to? I know it's something that we all go through. It just ain't yours. When it rains, it pours. All the love on the fly, you get. Ain't the game, I made mistakes, but I ain't never telling nobody. They called me names, I fell on my face. I started.